are, are you happy with the frame before we start? Um, are you going to do it where you're always seeing us or will it bounce back and forth full frame um, when someone's talking? Uh, it's going to stay like this unless I choose to spotlight you and then you will go full frame. So every time you have something noteworthy, I'll make sure it's full frame just for you. <laughs> okay. No pressure. You don't have to. I'm just, I guess it's a stupid question. I just was curious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we'll see how many times I get to spotlight Justice Curry in this episode. <laughs> Start oh, the it's counter, recording folks. already? Oh, we're recording. Oh, all my that. Gosh. It's it's all gold. Jeez, it's all gold. Pete's people are going to go, What? who is this character? <laughs> well, I'm going to do the official introduction so they don't feel lost. That was a, a nice 30-second preamble, so they just felt like they were easing into things in the green room. All right. Yes. Yeah, we'll edit that out later and post. No, no, no. It's going in. That's going to be the teaser clip <laughs> that gets everybody to, to watch an episode of, of this silly show that we do. So oh, uh, wonderful. Welcome to the Jay and Rob Toy Show. I'm your host, Rob McCallum. And this week I am not joined by Jay. I'm joined by another gentleman. He's the Jack in the Box to my Harveys. He's the Dunkin' Donuts to my Tim Hortons. He's the Gallon to my leader. The Mr. Rogers to my Mr. Dressup, although that one might not be totally fair. He is another brother from a Michigan mother, yeah, Justice yeah, yeah. Curry. How are Ooh. you, good sir? I'm doing a lot better now that I get to talk with one of my BFFs, so this is fun. Yeah, well, I appreciate you uh, making the time to chat while Jay was uh, unavailable this week. I mean, to be honest, it was my fault. We usually record Fridays. I couldn't record Friday. I tried to jump it around for his schedule. It didn't work. So it was either I do it all by myself and just sit here talking into the vacuum, endless void of toy collecting wisdom that doesn't exist in my brain, or I reach out to another, a soul that understands the connection point of plastic yes. to, to playtime power. And I found you. You said yes. Oh, wow. You found me. You drugged up the bottom of the list and said... Well, these 10 people said no, so maybe justice. I didn't want to have to reveal all of that, but yes, you must have done some digging and heard that I, I was did. rejected by seven other people who, for whatever reason, are busy during daytime hours in the week. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, yeah, what? Jeez, jobs. Job, career, responsibility. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Overrated. Overrated. Mm-hmm. What else are you going to do at uh, almost one o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday, which is when we're recording, but everybody's listening to this on a Friday at least, or at least that's when we hope to release it. Um, look, we start all these episodes out with just an icebreaker. So I'm going to go really broad for you, Justice. I just want to know what, give me a recent success story in your life. It doesn't even have to be toy related. I just want to hear a recent success story that you got going on. A recent success story. Um, this one was a kind of unique back, uh, and I, I talked about it on, um, my social media channel. So if you're not following Justice Curry, this is a plug. Follow me right now. Um, but I had a guy reach out to me on my birthday of all things, September 11th. Yes, I know it's a sucky birthday, wanting to buy or wanting to sell a massive G.I. Joe collection and just, you know, dusty, dirty, broken, horrible pictures, fuzzy. Um, he wouldn't give me a price, made me uh, we're talking back and forth. And he uh, he finally makes me give him an offer, which I do playing the offer game and then he berates me goes total crazy pants and you know low ball and this that the other thing just verbally assaulting me i'm trying to defend myself and i'm ready to block him i'm like screw you dude and then i'm like you know what something inside me told me not to block him i didn't block him and then uh a month later so about a week ago he reaches out to me out of the blue and says you know what i'm sorry for how i was behaving i was greedy um, these things are harder to sell than I thought. Um, you can have them for free. And I went, no, no, I'm not going to take them for free. I'll give you um, the same offer that I did. And I drove, you know, several hours, picked up the toy collection. And I love vintage G.I. Joe's. Like, that's my that's my heartbeat. 80s, 90s G.I. Joe. And I got an epic score of all these wonderful uh, G.I. Joe figures. I already flipped the vehicles to another reseller. And I get the deal with something that takes up less space and that I have the knowledge base on. So it was nice to see that kind of 
flip. You don't see that often with, um, with people selling. So that was a success. How, how often, I mean, you do a lot of flipping, you do a lot of buy, sell trade. Like that is, that is how you pay for your collection. You are smarter than the average bear compared to most of us that just <laughs> drain our bank accounts, uh, throw the yeah. stuff out and just keep buying stuff. Yeah. That's what yep, some of us do. Oh, how, no. <laughs> how often do you see the, the whole anecdote where I got these in my attic, they're worth millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. Give me millions of dollars for my stuff. And then oh. at the same time, it's like, maybe they're not worth millions of dollars. Can you give me a couple quarters? How <laughs> exactly. often do you run into that? Uh, constantly. I feel like sometimes a broken record and I don't mind it. It's part of the game. I have to explain to people how sales work because oftentimes people that are novice, especially uh, selling themselves, they don't understand the value of things. So they'll go, um, Look at this, this vintage chuckles. How much are you going to give it? How much are you going to give me? And I go, okay, well, it's worth, you know, 30 bucks. And they're going to pull up a eBay listing for buy it now, not sold. Have you, or some crazy person put it for a hundred dollars, buy it now. And it's probably been sitting there for years on eBay, but the person thinks that it's worth a hundred dollars. So I have to have these similar conversations over and over and over again. And I also tell people it's my time. The time is the most important thing, not the money. I mean, the money, we have to invest our time to make that money. And that's what I tell people. I gotta, I gotta individually sell these things. And oftentimes the back and forth conversation, some people go, you know what? You're right. Take it. Um, or sometimes people will go on to the next guy and I'm like, have at it. I, I don't care. That's more power to you. I don't know if you've seen Nintendo Quest, the uh, Nintendo hunting documentary that, that Jay it. and I did. Well, that's that's awful kind of you. The checks in the mail. <laughs> there's a de- there's a deleted scene where we run into that with a family in Texas, oh. and they put their carts out on the table. And Jay does an appraisal. He doesn't really need anything. There's a reissue Metroid that he wants more for personal reasons. Nothing, nothing special. Nothing for his goal. But they had yep. Zelda one and Zelda two there. The gold <laughs> carts. Yep. And they tell us they're worth tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> because they s- think it's the NWC, the Nintendo World yes. Championships gold cards. Yep. And they're like, no, look, we looked this up on eBay. This oh is worth tens gosh. of thousands of dollars. Now we're standing in their home. We're Canadian kids now in Texas oh. and someone else's <laughs> home where, where when they heard that we said, no, it's only like 25 bucks or so. And this is, of course, 10 years ago where it was really only 25 bucks. Right. One of the guys left the room and slammed the back door. And oh then like, we just hear gosh. like cursing and swearing. So we did everything we could <laughs> to stop filming and get the heck out of there as quick as possible. Oh, can we edit that part? I want to see that part. Can you show it? Did they sign a, a release? That oh, they've signed awesome. releases. Uh, oh, okay. I'm working very slowly on a behind the scenes, the real Nintendo quest in which I put unedited raw chapters of the film out on my YouTube channel. So it's a 90 minute film. There's already been shared over four hours across 15 chapters and there'll be like 70 chapters by the time it's done. Just so people can see what it's like to go game hunting over 10 years ago and see what those prices are like and what those stores are like because many don't exist nowadays. So at some point the chapter will come where we go to, I don't want to, you know, whatever it's like the Hills have eyes kind of house or whatever. (laughs) we we didn't sleep well that night i tell you that my friend i I bet i bet that's that's a funny story man i can't (laughs) wait to see that someday behind what uh what's going on like what's the collecting world or the collecting game really looking like from your slice of eternia like how have things changed i maybe uh we haven't had you on the show for a couple years at this point you and i talk of course you're part of season two of action figure adventure which people will discover in addition to just the interview stuff, you you make a story appearance that people will discover in Canada in a few weeks, in America a few months from now. But what's yep. what's been going on? How do, how do things look from uh, your purview? I mean, I try to stay positive constantly. I like that. And obviously, there's some negatives that seep in, but the positives, you know, far outweigh the negatives. I mean, one of the um, premier brands, I love G.I. Joe, I love He-Man, and there has been fresh life brought into these both of these franchises we're seeing them still on the toy shelves uh currently and right now it's 2022 so i love seeing that i love all the new collectors stumbling upon maybe my channel and going oh my gosh there's adult collectors 
and and then they go uh, headlong into it and they're buying the stuff at the stores. They're seeking out the vintage stuff. So, you know, having those conversations with um, brand new collectors is fun. Um, and, you know, obviously there's COVID, there's recession, there's some negative things going on. So people don't have as much um, expendable money, uh, have you. And I kind of tell people just set budgets for yourself because it can be a daunting beast. People can kind of overspend and get crazy with their money. And then, uh-oh, I, I need to start selling or I, I got to curtail my spending. So as long as you set healthy boundaries, budgets, and like you mentioned earlier, um, you know, I kind of flip toys and I've been doing that for many, many years. So I don't have to spend any of my real world money. And that's, it's not, it's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it, but I enjoy it. You know, it's, I've been doing stuff like this since I had a driver's license, you know, going to garage sales and whatnot. The best part about your response was the cameo by your cat into your room who jumped up on the flag <laughs> in the background. Oh, did it really go on the flag? <laughs> That's how all my stuff gets knocked down. I thought it was my kids <laughs> knocking my no, toys down. It's, it's a putty cat. It's, it yeah, ain't nothing but a putty cat. Um, I, I found it funny that, that you you start <laughs> you started your answer by saying, I try to stay positive. Like if we have to consciously make an effort to stay positive, is that not a sign of end of days justice? I mean, like we're like, just I don't gotta know. stay positive. Gotta I keep know. my head down. Gotta keep collecting. Gotta keep focused. I got my budget. I've got my list. I know my stores. I'm just going to uh, keep a smile on my face. Cause smiles. if I lose the smile, I lose the smile. Then it's all gone. It's all smoke and mirrors. Everything's falling apart. And, and I always tease that collecting is a kind of a vacation from the real world because every single person on planet earth has stresses from various types of issues going on and i kind of go into my safe space of collecting and i love it and i i kind of cut out the negatives people naysaying crazy talk even poisonous type people that come out of my feed uh i mean i have probably this is going to sound crazy like 400 people plus that i've had to block because you know when you put yourself out there you know, you, you put a target on your back and sometimes that target gets bigger and bigger and I don't have time to, sometimes I engage, I'm not perfect. I engage in that arguing back. I'm like, oh, you think that I'm going to, I'm going to fight back with you, but it's not worth those arguments. It's not worth those fights and struggles. I want to stay healthy, positive, And this, I, I love collecting. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I when is this, bu- when is this bubble going to burst? Because when we first met remotely online, yeah, uh, and since we've crossed paths a few times uh, with our our friends like Motu Joe specifically, there's been this background talk even yes. through season one of Action Figure Adventure, the giant gap until season two, and it's like, oh, it's gonna burst. People are getting yep. priced out. Nobody's gonna want it. Nobody's gonna. You tell this awesome story in an episode, and I think it airs this week uh, for everybody in Canada, where you go to a collector show. You remember going, and you. It was in the 90s and you okay. went up to a guy who was selling vintage G.I. Joe's, the 12 inch. And he said, you know how much I used to get for those young men? You know how much I can get for them now? You got to know when to pull the shoot. Yes. Yep. You know, you got to know when you to get out of the game. And this ethos I've been hearing from seasoned collectors like yourself and other people that have been collecting for a long time through the highs and the lows, the feasts and the famines, when it's popular, when it's not, when there's nothing on the shelves, when we cry, when there's nothing but eBay, when... We're lucky to find an antique, uh, you know, sale that has an accessory that we somewhat vaguely recognize from something that our friends told us about. <laughs> is it over, or will the or will the industries and the powers that be remain so savvy that it's impossible for them to not have their clutches on us in some way? Do you think? Um, it depends. There's there's a lot of caveats to that. Well, now, let, let me Wars, ask you this, maybe. Yeah. Let me ask you this, maybe. What are some of the prophetic signs we have to look at that will lead to the end of days of, of collecting as we know it? Um, our personal collecting will change because the things that we're nostalgic with, whether it's Transformers, oh, 80s toys, let's just say that, or in our age bracket. But some guys, you know, a little earlier Mego 70s type stuff. But once our generation starts kind of rapidly declining, um and our collections are getting flooded on the market and it's the supply and demand type deal where the supply is going up the demand's going down because we're dying none of us are making it off this planet alive um some of those prices are going to severely 
take a hit. And I don't know if that means in our 50s and our 60s. I, I'm not sure. But the other side thing is, you know, recession, money, tightening wallets. Those can make because um, during COVID, there was a surge. I was wrong. Like I did a video right when COVID happened and I said, the world is falling. I was chicken little. Collections are going to become worthless. You know, everyone's going to be strapped for cash. And the opposite. I was wrong. The opposite happened. Everyone's bored at home, stimulus money, all these variety of factors, and everything doubled, doubled in price. But now that things are changing, um, I'm seeing a decline, and maybe that artificial COVID bubble is popping and things will get back down to the level of early 2020. Um, but that's all right. That's It's the highs and the lows. You just got to ride them. And I'm a lifelong. It's not like I'm going to go, oh, it's it's worthless because it's always valuable. It's it's nostalgia. I'm not focused about the money aspect. Right. Um, 100%. The nostalgic, the toy, the collecting community, talking with people like you, sharing my experiences. That's what I really get in, get out of it. So for you, the further we get away from COVID, the more things are going to change. That's one kind of sign. So a decline in in, in prices in uh, a decline in prices can cause the bubble to burst as well too right like if less people are buying whether it's vintage or new stuff the overall market demand will drop and then there'll be less supply of new materials as Correct. well so that is kind of a prophetic end of days thing to look at <laughs> what what else do you think is is out there that we could look forward to for the collectors that are trying to keep score like oh, i'm starting to see this trend what does it mean like gaze into your justice curry crystal ball of mm. your magic eight ball like outlook yeah. not so good <laughs> like, <laughs> what what is uh, something else to look at like one thing that i point to is uh, we talk about the those gold ips the gi joes and the he-mans yep. there's there's no shortage of options to collect within any of those brands no shortage of formats uh yep. you know sizes scales accessories kind of toys to me, that is is an indication that the bubble is going to burst because they're trying to maximize every possible revenue stream and every possible kind of skew that if not, if it doesn't hit, then it'll go away and everybody will know that they can't hit that. And so once enough of them disappear, then. Boop. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. What where do you think? And, and that could be to a certain extent, but you have other factors like the He-Man cartoon. There was two. Um, two of them, one marketed to the younger kids and then the revelation directed by Kevin Smith, that was more adult themed. And those only came out, what, a year ago. And we're still waiting for season two, I think of the revelation. Um, so if the next generation of kids, you know, pick up on He-Man, that'll continue it, uh, longer than other franchises similar to, and again, Star Wars, I talk about that as the unicorn. Star Wars will outlive us all, and there'll always be a market um, for vintage Star Wars collectibles because the next generation will dabble in it as well because they grew I'm up. Not, I'm not it. sure about that. I'm not sure mm. that Star Wars will outlive us all. I think Star Wars, much like Barbie did for a while, at some point will go niche no, unless really. they continue to drastically alter their programming to cater to a preschool or an 8 to 12 audience rather than adult collectors because i'm already seeing so many adult collectors get burned out on the vintage which is a yep. three and three quarter scale and the black series scale on top of hasbro and there are no packaging window uh, decisions and all that that they're just burnt out because they now have 17 luke skywalkers from Re return of the jedi they now have how many darth vaders there, there's nothing new coming out that is better than the things that they already got we've already like kind of gone that huge technological leap in terms of digital sculpting, in terms of likeness, in terms of like inclusion of different goods and accessories that we didn't have. So we've already kind of gone the leap from DVD to Blu-ray. We need some sort of epic monumental adjustment in the action figure world to justify another Darth Vader, C-3PO, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker. Otherwise, what's been released is pretty great. And there's no yep. reason to buy any more. And the only other reason for Star Wars, I think, to be on the shelf is if there's a new program that caters to what people want. Now, The Mandalorian obviously was a huge hit with season one. Season two was yep. great as well. But I don't think the toy sales are there for those shows like they are for the original trilogy stuff still. Yep. 
Yep. Uh, yep. And if that's their number one hit, what are all these other shows going to do? Like, okay, you're going to have a show on Ahsoka. Great. Well, you'll sell an Ahsoka figure. Are the other characters going to be with us for, you know, 30 years of our lives the way that the original trilogy was when we finally got new figures that were really awesome in the 90s? And then we got even better figures in the 2000s. And then we even got better figures after that. Like we've hit a wall with how great action figures are and it's reflected in the price. We can't do more because it costs so much and the IP has already been kind of exhausted. So I don't know that we're going to have an evergreen Star Wars future the way that we, we've been used to for the last 50 years. Um, yes and no. So I disagree. <laughs> I agree with the first part. Disagree with the second. There's going to be Star Wars on the shelves forever, forever. There's, I got to believe it. I got, even if it's a smaller section, when has Star Wars not been on the shelves? 84 were, to 87. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, that's, that's the nostalgic stuff. The early, early stuff. There's going to be a demand for that. Now, obviously, the demand for the 90s stuff, that stuff is worth the same amount as when it was in the store shelves in the 90s because they m totally mass produced it. And there's all these other variety of factors like me going to the store going, I'm going to buy three of each because it's going to be an investment. I'm going to you know, retire early and whatnot. But everyone did that. And that's why they're worth nothing and you can't get rid of them. But how um, many Phantom Menace figures did you grab when that film? Oh gosh, I had totes <laughs> filled with them. I literally had. To, and even when they re-released the trilogy, the original trilogy yeah. and the, the red one, the orange and red backs and then the yellow, yeah. uh, the green ones. Um, yeah. I was buying those up. My wall was filled with them. I loved them. I had posters all over the place and I was just a kid. And all my friends, you know, I didn't have any other toy collecting friends. So they they called it the Justice's Museum. I, they always, when they came over when I was a kid, it was my museum. Because every square inch of my bedroom was like this. Yeah. Just different types of toys. Right. Um, but yeah, I, Star Wars is king, man. It's king. The kids I, I are going to love it forever. I, I think it's going to see a massive decline. And that, my friends, is a sign that the bubble will burst or as a result of the bubble bursting will happen. I think it's going to not be as prevalent because it, it doesn't have the, stay, the staying power. Even my son, who's about to turn eight years old, likes Star Wars, but there's nothing that speaks to him needing the toys. Now, of course, we're in a different generation where kids are not like you and I, but if we're talking about future staying power and physical product on the shelf, there's got to be something there that does speak to the current day eight to 12 year old group. Yep. And he doesn't want to buy any of the new stuff. He likes the Mandalorian. He liked book of Boba Fett, but he doesn't want any of the toys. Yeah. yeah. And when that demographic can't latch onto it, then they're not going to carry it with them to become adult collectors. And so they won't even want to go back to the nostalgic stuff either. Hmm. Well, we're, we'll do a follow-up episode when we're both in, in 30 years someday. In 30 you know, years. Nursing, <laughs> nursing home. Let's look <laughs> at who was right. I mean, I got I said you. back then that Star Wars would never be on the shelves again. And I was right. I was right. I was right. Put that on my gravestone. I was right. Other than uh, that Joe collection that fell into your lap after you hardballed the guy on the sale, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what's the coolest personal thing that you've scored as of late? Don't let it be your action figure spotlight figure later on, because of course oh, we're going to do that as always. It was has there been another kind of thing that you've picked up just for you that you had your eye and you're like, oh, th this is really scratching my itch. Yes, um, I'll save the best for last, and even the last one I can't go fully into it, but you're going to be the first one to ever see it. I'm gonna, okay, remember, we got to save one figure for the end of show for our yes, action figure spot. The end of show, I got something yeah. that's going to knock okay. your socks off. Okay, what, what, else have, what else have you got? Two things that I picked up recently that I'm really digging are A, let me make sure that it's, hold on, let me put my hand behind it so it can focus. Focus. Uh, no. Oh, there we go. There we go. So that, uh, the mold, if you recognize it, looks like the 1986 viper from the gi joe um so if you collect long enough oh great um you get everything and the next kind of phase of collecting some guys go down is either customs or bootlegs 
foreign figures and things that I enjoy are the black major line. So black major takes the molds that we kind of all knew and does different paint schemes. Uh, this one came out about a month or so ago and I just dig it. I love how it looks with the skeleton. Um, and then coincidentally, this one arrived in the mail yesterday. Re very reminiscent, uh. but it's the, uh, the Stormtrooper version. Um, obviously not a, a bootleg or anything. I don't know why I put Skeletor's sword in there, but um, <laughs> this one, this one came out it's on store shelves. Currently it's the Halloween edition came with like a porg or something. Um, but I, I love it. I bought two of them because my money is on several years from now. This sucker is going to double, triple, quadruple in price, and then I can sell it and essentially get this one for free, which I'm going to keep in my collection. That's just how my OCD brain works. So you you really play the speculative market when you're collecting as well. You uh, really buy into this is going to double. I think that yep. this is going to do well. How often do you buy the rule of two just for yourself to have one packaged and one loose? Never. Uh, never. Well, never say never. Uh, very rarely. Because I see a lot of carded G.I. Joes there, and I'm sure you have loose examples of them. Correct. Yep. And that would be the only uh, variation. Nothing, nothing modern do I buy one for to keep um, loose and uh, MOC, but the vintage, yeah, I love the artwork on the vintage. So I have a number of the GI Joes, He-Man, and even Ninja Turtles that I have the loose and carded examples. But as far as going to the store and specifically buying one for the loose and uh, sealed, I, I don't do it. That's just not how I need to do it. I read a post that you're buying two Eternias. <laughs> yes, I did. I did buy two attorneys because that was the same thing. The um, I'm putting my money on that sucker will double just like many of the other crowdfunding has lab things in the past with limited production numbers. Um, coincidentally, after making that post, three separate people reached out to me and was like, oh, can I uh, can I buy your second one? I'll do a payment plan with you. I'm like, not doing a payment plan to sell it to you at cost i said i bought it to double in price so i can have the the one for free because it just feels awesome right. yeah how long do you think that's going to take to double and the reason i ask is i've picked up some of these haslab pieces and they've gone up in value since the release now i could have waited a little bit longer but because these have lab things has labs and other crowdfunding initiatives are taking, you know, a year or so to come out. And there's so many that are coming out. Yeah. They're not doubling or, or going up in value as fast as say like the sale barge did. Like when right. that came out, like that was like double the second it was like shipped like everybody's that. door. Like it went that. from like four ninety nine or three ninety or whatever. It was already a thousand dollars. Like yep. good luck finding it. Thousand dollars starting price. If you're lucky. Exactly. Razor crest. I could only get like another 150 bucks for when I got it. Sentinel, yeah. same thing. Like mm -hmm. I made more money. That's still, it was worth the investment for them to have my money be tied up, I guess, but it did not double and it, and it took a long time. So I'm curious how long you think it's going to take for Eternia to double and get your investment uh, squared away. And, and some things doubled and then went down. Um, like the Sentinel, I bought four of them. I went crazy. Whoa. And uh, two of them doubled right away and I, boop, I sold them. And then they started going down a little bit. So essentially, I got the other two remaining free. Um, as far as Eternia doubling, that's a hard one to predict. And I might be wrong. It might not double. It might only go up for by several hundred dollars. And it might be that one guy that you know knows that I bought a second one that reaches out to me years later and says, hey, do you still have this? Yeah, I do coincidentally, and he wants to save on shipping because he's local or something, and I'm able to make a few bucks on it. So doubling, yeah, that could take many, many, many years, but um, I know it'll go up in value. I know. What I've, what I've noticed more with these uh, crowdfunding offerings is it's usually the bonus items in the tiers that can almost justify the cost of the original thing. So I think you'll have a stronger chance, for example, of making your money back on your King Grayskull, your Modi the Moat Monster, and your <laughs> Keklar figure, those three 
I bet you'll be able to sell for at least 550 total yep. from yep. from your second set in order to cover the cost of your first one because there are going to be people that want to do the rule of two where they open them and then they have them just on card, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sealed away, not necessarily just want them preserved in the set. And you're going to find people that are just happy with just the set. And we already know that the set is shipped separately from each individual figure. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that. The, welcome to the Jay and Rob Toy Show. <laughs> well, now I know, and knowing is half the bet. Um, but that—that's an interesting point. Yeah, selling them separately, not as a um, a bundle altogether. You will maximize your money, and I, I 100% agree with you. I bet you you can sell those three figures to make back the initial investment after a little while of people that missed the boat on them because they're going to want that carded example loose example etc now after I'll probably getting, do that after getting the sentinel did you go in on galactus no why I did didn't. you pass on galactus that doesn't make sense to me uh i gotta personally like the line and the figure for whatever so why reason, did you get sentinel because <laughs> i like sentinel i had okay. a attachment, attachment to it from okay. the you know the early 90s cartoon x-men sure um and I just like the Sentinel Galactus. I mean, I, I didn't really care for him. Ugh. And I was and I was already sitting on so much inventory uh, that I'm like, where am I going to even store this thing That's without fair. becoming a hoarder? That's fair. That's fair. I've, I've got a Galactus. And I mean, like I just said, with the, the exclusive figures, I know that surfer that comes with it is yeah. going to fetch some cash. I know oh, that yeah. alternate Dr. Doomhead is going to be of interest to people. And I, and I think there's two or three other figures that come with it as well. But uh, yep. I don't think I'm going to have an issue selling it. And I'm not even attached. So if you're out there listening and you want a Marvel Legends Galactus, just like and subscribe first and then hit me up in the comments. That's how we do that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> when you're, I mean, you're, you're a big Joe fan, you're a big muscle fan as well. You're oh, a big yeah. masters fan. When you're thinking about all these collectible arenas and you, you're pretty focused. I mean, you also like Ninja Turtles and some of the one-off obscure lines like visionaries and humanoids and stuff. Mm-hmm. Other than the toys, or maybe it's only the toys for you. Like how much are you drawn to like original IP stuff like animation cells or scripts or even autographs, how much of that side of collecting are you drawn to? Or is it, or is it a hard line at the toys? No, it's not a hard line at the toys. Um, like I alluded to, I really enjoy people's artwork, their customs, um, the one of a kind type pieces, reaching out to former employees uh, that worked on the GI Joe franchise. Uh, Mark Pennington is one that I, you know, he's an old man now. I'm an old man too. I know he's just a little older than me and he uh, he'll do an original art piece, a one of a kind, no copies made of a GI Joe character or theme or whatnot. And I got like, it feels like works of art throughout my house, nicely framed from him. So I enjoy those things as far as signatures eh, take them, leave them. They never really resonated with me. I have some, but it's just, they stumbled upon them. Um, And then a couple animation cells because I just liked what's on them. Um, specifically with he I got one of He-Man and then a very uh, unique one of low light with uh, GI Joe. Cause the, uh, the GI Joe animation cells rarely come to market. And I have a focus on a specific figure, which is low light um, with some pre-production, one of a kind pieces. And then I was able to secure a, a cartoon cell as well of him. Um, so little things that catch my eye, like when I'm at a toy show, I'm I'm going around like a squirrel on freaking meth, just trying to gather as much information as possible, as quickly as possible. Things catch my eye either to make a buck on it or that I personally want. And I just go around. Plus, I'm running into people all the time, you know, talking, having a little conversation, seeing what they bought, listening to stories of epic scores someone just got. And I just it feeds the hunt, you know, the treasure hunt of the whole process. Do you ever find yourself in a circumstance where you come across something that's so rare, say like, like a Hector Garrido painting or like an yeah. Earl Norum painting, mm-hmm. and it would take like your entire collection sold to get that one thing? Have you yeah. ever been on the fence with something like that where you're like, this is like one of one. Yeah. 
I mean, all the cells are one of one as well, but like Correct. there are multiple, like hundreds of thousands hundreds, of cells yeah. of all of these things that we love. Yep. I, I'm always, I always wonder what I would do if I could have like that one original artwork. If I did, like, if it meant like getting rid of everything else, if I would do mm -hmm. that, where, where do um, you fall on that debate? Well, I'll tell you, there's a variety of people and I'll see it in high end collecting groups of people posting like five to $10,000 uh, super rare items. And normally within the description of the sale, they're going to, and I've seen it so many times, they say something to the effect of, I'm selling this because I want something else. I need to generate funds uh, to buy something. So this constantly happens with buco thousands of dollar items um, for collectors to go, you know what? I've had this for a while. I've enjoyed it. I can get some money out of it to then put toward this other crazy rare thing. Now, has that happened to me um, a couple times just with my G.I. Joe low light um, art? Uh, original concept drawings those are very expensive so i had to put some uh decent money down and then there's been some times um that i wanted to drop serious cash and i was on the fence for these one-of-a-kind pieces and i just i didn't do it i went nope nope i, I can't justify spending you know five thousand dollars on one piece a lot of guys can i i couldn't it just was like because ah! i one last tangent I've thought about this. I was trying to get a full run of Nintendo games at one point in my my life, and I was getting close. And then I got <laughs> to the point where I was like, uh, "The uh, why am I having a brain fart?" The the stadium rarest events? one, we're stadium events. And I said, "Oh my goodness!" It was I think it was ten grand then at the time. And I went, "What if I could just sell a bunch of stuff and get that?" And then I thought to myself, I literally went, "I'm gonna." pretend that i have stadium events right now would it make me any happier yeah it would scratch my ocd itch to have a complete collection but am i going to be any happier owning this yeah maybe for a minute or two but then it's going to come to worry of like oh i'm gonna have a fire or someone's gonna steal it or this or that i go it's not going to really make me any happier um i don't need it i, I don't need it and then i started kind of using that mentality to a lot of those other G.I. Joe, He-Man, one-of-a-kind, thousand-dollar pieces where I went, it's not really going to make me happier. I'll just, why why am I breaking the bank over some of these things? So I didn't, I didn't do it. I used to do the same thing where it's like, okay, just sit with it. And that's why, I know, another reason I love Big Bad Toy Store, their pre-order system is great. <laughs> yes. You can pre-order it. You can sit with it. You can come yep. back and review. You can, yes. you know, decline it or get credit <laughs> if it's already thing. shipped. I mean, because it's like, oh my God, that's so cool. I got to get it. Got to secure my spot. Got to have yep. it. Got to feel good. Put so it in the cart. Put it in the loot. Fill the hole in my heart. Okay, yep, good. Yep. And then it's easier to <laughs> offload. But then I, I, I find that some of those purchases that I have where there's it seeps in, where there's a little bit of buyer's regret initially. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, I got this. Yep. After time... It, that regret erodes and th there's an actual enhanced appreciation for the thing. So it goes beyond the excitement of the acquisition and all the research and the hunting that you had done originally. And at some point, it, sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's a couple months, sometimes it's 10 years where you go back, you look at it like, oh, this thing is cool. Or a new story comes out about the thing that, that you, you know, spent way too much money on that you shouldn't have. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, this, this, this did pay off in the long run. I shouldn't have doubted myself. I shouldn't have talked myself out of yeah. it or, or I'm glad I, I spent the extra money when I had the opportunity to buy it. Because yes. I think above and beyond condition, opportunity is the hardest thing to come across in, in this game. Like if, if you don't have the opportunity to buy something, you'll, you'll never have it. Right. So that's the right. most valuable thing. Yes. Yes. And, and there's been many, 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 many times throughout my collecting career. Um, I've, passed on things or i wasn't quick enough specifically i like to tell the story at a toy store or a toy show i saw a, a batman animated series pre-production batmobile and it was molded in all these strange colors and it was 200 bucks and i went wow that held it i'm like whoa this is awesome and i set it down and i'm like ah 200 and i hadn't kind of gone down my uh pre-production um focus yet which i'm kind of into now but I walked away, I came back like a half hour later, I'm, like, I'm gonna get this thing, and of course it was gone. And that stuck with me for so freaking long, and I found the guy who bought it, 
who owns a, a toy store and he goes, I'm going to throw $4,000 on this and it's going to sell. And I'm like, Oh, why did you tell me that? So some, the opportunity when it is comes into your, uh, into your face, you got to do it. Now opportunities for like these kinds of things where they're always going to be available, maybe for an upcharge on the secondary market. Sure. Okay. That's not, that won't sting as much as never having the chance again. Um, like that story. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the sleepy tax or the lazy tax where you have to pay an extra 10 to 20% on something because you were slept in, you didn't see the pre-sale or you just weren't convinced, you didn't have the effort to go get it. I can justify that. And even in Canada, without Target exclusives, sometimes you got to justify some of those purchases if you want it that bad enough. It's just the cost of doing business in a, in a country like Canada being a collector <laughs> or you know when you buy toys from friends in another country and they send you stuff and the total cost of the the shipping and duty is about equal to 50 percent of what you paid and you that's have to never like happen Stop you have to like stories out of school that's never and you've got to like decline the purchase of it and send it back via ups because you don't have that extra 140 dollars that you've been I'll charged float you. i'll float you that and then you can just owe me it <laughs> compounding uh, oh yeah Okay. Okay. So, so just to let everybody know what happened. No, don't tell people that. I already feel horrible. A actually, Good. we can't talk about that. We can't. Okay. Or the customs agents will boot people's doors. Why? Out. You didn't do anything wrong, apparently. <laughs> True. You did everything True. by the book. Who's All gonna, right. You who's tell, gonna tell the story. I bought it's hot two in here. Very... Why is it getting hot in here? <laughs> yeah. I bought two very cheap action figures from Justice Curry. He put them in a box the size of an SUV with a couple of bricks and rocks. Mid sent it SUV. to Canada. Said the value on it was over four hundred dollars. It arrives at my doorstep, and they want one hundred and forty dollars from me because, you know, I had asked my friend to send it as a gift of twenty dollars. And no, what didn't. ends up happening, Justice? No. I, I always say, I always tell you, please mark it as a gift declared the value it's like 20 bucks per figure you've told me that in the past i can't that goes in the recycle brain of the future i can't remember that you have to tell me that I, all i'm saying is hey when you something. have a bad customer service experience <laughs> it's really hard to go back to the store hoping that things are one once like, like they once were well it's, lucky it's that really wasn't difficult. me that was another guy and i just want to know I, I can you get your your lovely wife to to film your face when ups brings the package back to your door and charges you what I was supposed to pay duty plus a reshipping fee to bring it back because that's the day I can't wait to see. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll do a special. You uh, did you do an unboxing video yet? Because I have a special. I sent it back. I'm not paying 140 dollars for that. Okay, fair enough. You're, you're gonna get it at your door. Yep. With some lovely yep. surprises in it, I'm sure. <laughs> Just like you always give me some lovely surprises. There are some like epic things in this i thing bet to make it right, worth the right from the bottom story. of your trash can thrown in the yep. box once again i'll open it with gloves on <laughs> i'll i'll don my mask i'll put my n95 on just to make sure i'm safe as i no i cleaned it air. all this time it's fine yeah, no this time no wonder there one. was a COVID outbreak in canada after an <laughs> unboxing from justice curry it was just after <laughs> one, one time and i'm labeled one yeah. time and then you're labeled as the Ebola virus. That, that's just that's just how it goes. You know, th these are things you have to think about, Justice, when you open up your toy store, which is coming in the next decade from what I hear and what we'll I've see. read on another post. Yep. Yep. We'll see. Definitely. What's it going to be called? What's your toy store going to be called? I don't know. Maybe Justice is. Well, I don't Garbage want someone to trademark it. They're going to trademark it and then make make me buy the the website some how about some justice's say. garbage and crap duty not included <laughs> justice's emporium <laughs> and screwing over friends i like that <laughs> one. that one's <laughs> that's fun what uh, now, what are your plans for opening a store is that legitimate because i thought it was a really curious question that somebody asked you i like what you're doing just on your own where you're just yep. going out flipping and buying taking your time you're able to pause when you have to you're not really tethered to a, a brick and mortar and I liked your response specifically when asked, how come you don't open a toy store of some fashion, maybe not brick and mortar, maybe just more official. Um, you know, you, you want to spend some time with the kids, which was also one of the reasons behind your big career shift as, as well. Correct. 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 And, and I mean, it was almost 
weekly i was getting messages when are you gonna open up a toy store when are you gonna open a toy store this is right up your alley and then my response was many of the things that you just said was i don't want to be married to another schedule and responsibilities and opening and brick and mortar store and yes there's a lot of pros to it but the cons at this season in my life outweigh the pros and it's time my most valuable commodity is time and i want the time is so fleeting and so quickly when my kids uh, are growing up there at this precious age and for me to just jump into another endeavor um no 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 i can nick i can nickel and dime sell toys here and there on the internet but that's at my own pace like i can be as busy or as not as busy as i want to be but when you start putting that uh that brick and mortar employees and this and the response. No, 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 no. That That's just not what I want to do right now. And I've always had this kind of fantasy idea of <clears throat> having an RV, a, a trailer, and just traveling the countryside with my old lady someday when the kids are out of the house um, and setting up at toy shows, cons, filming people's collections for my YouTube channel, as well as making money to support, you know, our adventures at the comic cons and the toy shows with my wares in the back action figure adventure season three justice curry on the road for one storyline slinging plastic getting goods for charity is in the rv i hey that could work folks last week and i sent you the link and i know you didn't watch it because you would have messaged me already (laughs) last week i started watching it i watched a, a section of it just like you declared twenty dollars gift when you sent that that package. Well, and uh, added- last, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last week we said, "Hey, what kind of a person would be good to join the action figure ad- adventure uh, kind of machine to go out on their own quest?" In addition to Jay going on another one, because we we're talking about how we got to keep getting it bigger a little bit. We want the drive to be more communal, and we saw a big effort in that in season two. You can't say anything. I know you know what's going on in season two, and some people may have caught some of the live stream stuff, but it's probably forgotten given the data age we live in. So I thought the thing that makes sense if we're lucky enough to do is season three would be to have more than one collector going out on their own separate routes, not a competition, but how can we cover more kind of square footage and do more damage? Everybody kind of just takes a week or a weekend hitting, you know, five, six, seven different stores. And then what is what goes to what goes to the effort? So we were speculating the kind of person that would be ideal for that. What you kind of need to do, how, what you would need to know about, you know, filming the show and stuff. And I thought, hey, Justice, take a look at this, see what you think. No sooner said did I see this RV down Route Six Six post. I'm like, oh, interesting, interesting. <laughs> Not, um, but that would be that would be really awesome, man. I would love doing something like that. Be part of season three in that fashion. Um, but as yeah. You don't you don't know where this the future holds. Yeah, there you go. I uh, I just discovered they're no longer teaching cursive writing in school, at least yeah. in Canada. Yep. To me, that's very very strange because it, I I remember the painful uh, lessons of doing the, the you know the curliness and how some letters could be done like three or four different ways. Yep. And I thought, well, everybody's just using a keyboard or whatever, so it makes sense. Um, what do you think the toy equivalent will be in like 20 years that changes that'll be obsolete that'll be obsolete and it'll be so weird to, to toy collectors that we're so used to it. i mean the closest thing i could think of has already just happened and that's the windowless packaging yeah. we've kind of had that on vehicles for a while but to have it on figures is, is a big strange thing but in the future what do you think would be a, a weird oddity that or something that would be weird to us but commonplace for collectors of the day Jeez, oh, Pete's. This is why I give you all the questions in advance. <laughs> that one, I fell. Asleep, I was falling asleep, <laughs> and I fell. I didn't prepare. It was around for this. the same time, you filled out the duty form for the yes. package. I had my my seven year old kid fill out that duty form, so I can I'll tell. Blame. That was can tell. the writing was better it. than yours, so I knew it was someone else. <laughs> Just what collecting is going to look like in the future? I mean we're going to have a lot more gray and bald people. There'll be a new collecting era. Um, but there might be Pokemon cards and, and just different types of technologies. Um, do you think digital collecting will, will take off the way they're trying to with NFTs? 
You know what? I, I've had someone reach out to me that's involved in the NFTs and they gave me this big video and said they wanted me to be part of it and promote it. And I went, you know, thanks, but no thanks, because it doesn't strike a chord and I'm not going to. And I've joked about this before when people go, hey, will you promote my toy or we talk about it? I'm like, I'll talk about it only if I enjoy it. But if it's like, you know, some anti itch cream, I ain't talking about it and NFTs. It just doesn't capture something inside me that I even want to learn about and explore. Now, I could be totally wrong, and that's the next wave of collecting the online, obscure, little, whatever they are, trinkets, yeah. kind of like Bitcoins almost. But um, I, my, my gut feeling is that's not going to catch on. But I've been known to be wrong. Once or twice, once or twice. Um, me, me, me too. Daily, daily, yes. all the time. I'm reminded by everyone close to me how wrong I, how <laughs> wrong I am, and how often that that occurs. So you know, they, the message, yeah, yeah. They keep mm -hmm. saying that we're heading to an immersive digital world where we'll put on our headset, we'll sit down in our chair, and the environment will feel just like the world we're living in now. There will not be a threshold where. It looks and smells it, it may, like Ready Player One, right? Like it'll be that immersive where we cannot tell the difference. And I already know that like playing games like Animal Crossing and other, you know, digital offerings, you want to decorate your room and place in, in different ways so that it reflects who you are. You want to collect the things. And so I, if they can actually create this, you know, invisible barrier to the world when we put our headset on and I'm just in a small room, but I have this house that I'm used to having now and I can have all these collectibles that I can hold and feel and smell. I don't know if it's going to be 20 years, but look how quickly the internet caught on and evolved. Yeah. Look how quickly oh, yeah. streaming and, and we went from VHS to pushing a button and the internet speeds are so fast that a movie plays instantly. Yep. Look how quickly the, the music entertainment industry shifted with how much they could, you know, crunch and reduce file sizes on songs. So mm -hmm. is there a way to digitize that physical pleasure that we have from our toys and add it to this digital world where there's now no cost and it's just an IP license that you get to have in your digital space? It, it doesn't appeal to me, right. but if, if they can deliver on the promise of creating a simulated world that is imperceivably different from our own, which is a scary thought to begin with, like what world That's am true. I in and how, and how do I know the difference? Yeah, yeah, the Matrix um, style. Then you could see collecting taking a big shift and leaning in towards all yep, that side yep. of things. But that's a long way to go, and that's a big what if. Um, do I see that happening? I see virtual reality being a, a major player, uh, similar to Ready Player One, not to that extreme. Um, but as far as the collectibles and the things that you can acquire during this digital virtual reality space, that's anybody's guess. Um, but there's a huge thing with the physical objects, the nostalgia, and you can't recreate that to a certain extent in that virtual reality space. Yeah, maybe that would kind of be cool to see a life-size bat, cobra bat in front of you you know, high-fiving and being silly on virtual reality. Um, but that's going to be different from taking you back than from playing yeah. with it as a kid. It's going to be uh, a different feeling. Yeah, I think as fast as things are progressing towards the exciting momentum of what that might be, I think there's an equally stronger momentum going in the other direction to a slower life, a more calm life, a more, you know, unplugged yet connected life where, you know, COVID, everybody was indoors minimum for six months before people in general started to go outside, you know, for me a lot longer because of my family situation. And the last thing people wanted to do was have Zoom meetings or talk on, you know, on Facebook anymore. You wanted to get out and, and see somebody in person and, you know, shake their hand and give them a hug. And so I think that will always be the thing. So even if we go to like an 80%, I'm, you know, plugged into this virtual uh, existence, the vacations are going to be when we unplug and we actually spend time outside with, with each other. Like, like it once yes. was. And I mean, that's almost what the seventies and eighties were for video games to begin with, right? Like you left your home and you went to the arcade, you went to spend mm -hmm. time with each other. And then it started spinning the other way around again, where you know, then it's in the basements and living rooms as families with Nintendo and whatnot. So I think as much as we're going one way, I think there's a, a strong, just a strong movement going back to a simpler, more patient, more connected, uh, 
meaningful time with the people in our world. And, and just a slight tweak counterpoint. And I remember watching a, a quasi documentary about the future of virtual reality or the limits that it can go right now. Um, and a lot of people that might be socially awkward have disabilities that can't get out of the house, variety of factors that can then put on the VR gear and interact with real time other people and talk and hear them just the same. So there is another form of interaction. Um, and even me and you talking right now, you know, we've never met in person, but I feel that you are one of my good friends or one of my real friends. And when I was beginning, I know he's laughing because he's like, I fooled you. Mutual. Oh, digital <laughs> artifice. It's yes. so easy to fool are you. Are you even real? That's funny. No. You could be some kind of matrix, you know, algorithm right now. I don't all, know. All I am is programmed AI. That's very true. <laughs> now I forgot what I was saying. There was like this, this point. It was it was, was beautiful. Whatever it was going to be, and and then I lost it. It's fleeting. Like vapor. well, th this is a good segue to action figure spotlight. I've got something here. You've got something there. You said your thing is pretty epic. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I'm going to let you go last. I'm going to go first. I'm going to spotlight myself and and talk about this. These are figures, um, and I've got three, and it's because Jay and I have been talking about kind of price points and, and offerings and what's out there and, you know, what truly do we need as a collector, especially given what the line is. So I wanted to showcase um, specifically the new Playmates figures that they've done for, for Star Trek. So they've come out with these four and a half inch figures. This one's hard to see because there's a sticker right over Khan's face. I don't know if I can quickly get it off, but... No, I can't. So you're just going to have to bear with me there. So there's a four and a half inch, very much a superpower scale figure, a couple of accessories, which is nice. Um, the art is okay. I mean, it's what you would expect. The line is fragmented across the, the Star Trek universe, but I'd rather pay $20 Canadian, which is about 15 US for this figure, than have to spend 55 US or 85 Canadian for a Super 7 Ultimates Star Trek figure that was announced, where it's basically still just a guy in a uniform with a phaser. Like, you know, I've got Captain Kirk and, and Spock as well. They're all from Wrath of Khan. And is this really going to be that much different than what you're going to get from Super 7? No, it's a guy in a uniform with a phaser, more points of articulation. The facial details might be a little bit better, but I would rather save, in this case, $65 and get all of these for less than one of those figures and have, you know, kind of the mini wave on, on my shelf have a good representation, five points of articulation, which I think is my favorite kind of scheme when I look at figures. You know, I really like that that masters, that superpowers kind of look. It, it it still feels like a toy. It's not trying to be a statue. I don't have 600 hands. I don't have accessories that I got to put in a Ziploc and put away later to remember what they're for or write a little note to myself that I try to decipher later. <laughs> this is all I need for a toy, right? Like, this is enough for me. So like I was tickled when, when these came out again, playmates, this is like a better version of playmate stuff from the nineties. So I'm, I appreciate it in the last 25, 30 years, they've gotten better at sculpts, but this feels just like buying turtle figures or Dick Tracy figures, but a little bit more adult oriented and still scratching that toy. itch for as an IP Star Trek that I haven't collected at all until now. So I'm going this road instead of those much more expensive uh, ultimate figures even though you know i wanted to click that pre-order right away i just couldn't i couldn't justify 215 dollars us which is over 350 canadian after duty and shipping on four figures yeah right that's just right. too expensive i'd rather have nine of these guys if <laughs> i really wanted nine of them you know or rule of two with some of them so that's my action figure spotlight for the week the uh the playmate star trek figures and the wrath of khan set specifically with uh kirk spock and uh khan himself what do you got what do you got to showcase this week my friend so you guys have uh mcdonald's in your country right or is it just tim hortons uh, it's usually just Timmy's, but on the border cities, we have McDonald's too. Okay. So I'm no, sure you're... No, we have millions of served up here as, as well. Okay. It's it's just you, millions of metric serves. Did you guys get the uh, adult Happy Meals that recently came out with the Grimace with I, the three I, eyes? I don't, I, I, do, I don't know. I don't go to McDonald's. Oh, stop pretending like you don't know. So I everyone, don't go to McDonald's. I know what you're talking got, about, the cactus things. Yeah. The Grimace with the three eyes. I got the rare variant 
with two eyes. So this thing is probably one of my favorite pieces in my entire collection right now. So I'm. They really excited. released a variant where it didn't have the three or four eyes or whatever yeah. it was. The cactus. No, it, and I'm just being silly. Of looking on the bottom of it, this came out in 1997. Um, but my real item that I picked up recently. Now I have not posted any pictures about this. I'm gonna do a whole YouTube video in the future, so make sure you're subscribing. Um, is <clears throat> la 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 a pre-production one of a kind pow original He-Man '80s power sword that came from an employee with the line. Um, and I got the whole story. I did a. a a chat with the fellow we'll, who got we'll save it. this story for your video save yep. the story for yep. your video what you need to know folks is justice allegedly does not have a 3d printed power sword this is no this, this is, is the legit this is real this is totally real just like our friendship this is real <laughs> this is a proto <laughs> i'm done i'm out of here <laughs> this is a prototype power sword his video will be up at some point, so you better stay tuned to his channel. Subscribe, get all the notifications so it pops up right on your phone. He yes. got it from a former employee. Don't say who it is. Okay. Because okay. that's cool. I just want to know, what did you have to do to get the piece, and what was your reaction? Like, Take me through the moment when you opened the package and discovered it. Oh, I'm, my hair on my arm standing up right now. It's Without giving away things. with everything that you're going to say. Right, right. I'll, I'll just kind of get get the little pieces of the end and it's all about connections and treating people well and just this community of collectors and surrounding yourself with the positive awesome guys and the one of the the guys that i specifically got this from is just a kind-hearted soul freaking awesome give you the shirt off his back type of collectors that he himself got two of these and he goes you know what i don't need two of one was a battle axe and one was the the sword he's like I don't, this two having two doesn't make me any happier i would i would love to see this go to another person and it required me reaching out to him and having a back and forth and a massive trade and all these sorts of things and then he told me who he got it from which uh, then i reached out to to get the provenance because you don't like he's joking around you don't want to have some kind of fake and right. just kind of having a and the story is so important having someone look you in the eye and say this is my name and i will tell you the story on why this is real instead of just like oh at a garage sale there is this lady who said it might i mean anybody can say that and anybody can make it fake um but that's why i had to go down the the trail to, to figure out um that this is the real deal and having that strong of a connection to a franchise that millions of people around the world love and something that started it all before they were all mass produced Whew, that's that's like one of the number one things in my collection i just got it a, a week or two ago so that's ah, awesome and we were talking about that like what would you do for those one-of-a-kind things and yeah. you know i get the need for like paperwork to document this is an official thing and so and so notarized it and stuff but the right person when you form that connection you have years of history with them just getting their word is is enough for me and maybe me i'm naive too. like that but like when you know when you truly know somebody and know their history yep. and have seen stuff like from them without it being a like a solicited kind of thing mm -hmm. then then you know right and then you cool. feel comfortable and you don't need all that stuff that is a cool cool piece man and you know i look Thanks. forward to one day meeting you slipping it in my pocket leaving the 3d printed <laughs> one and, and it's like is that going to go in, in your glass shelf that you have with yep, all your upstairs. other prototype stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upstairs, I got a whole uh, detox shelf dedicated to prototypes. And I'll probably do something similar as the other prototype. Um, oh, Havoc here he goes. Staff. Yeah, there I go. Here he goes. Justice Curry is on the move, folks. He's going back to his glass display shelf, which was a former World of Nintendo shelf. And he's picking up. Oh, here we go. It is a prototype 3D printed from 2022 Havoc <laughs> But this, again, was one of those types of things where I knew the collector. I knew the story. Um, and I wanted I'm not a huge grading guy. I like it for the display purposes. And right. I wanted to get it graded. And I'm probably going to do the same for the sword 
get the dimensions. Well, it of this. makes displaying a little bit nicer, right? It I mean, does. I have boxes of that, like from from Ferrero Rocher as well, where you just eat all the candies and you have the plastic shell after, and that's clearly what you've done here. You put a little scotch sure. tape, a little reverse tape, and just stuck yeah. it in there. Christmas season is coming up. We can all get those plastic cases for display as well. So. If you've got a 3D printer in 2022, you can fool anybody that watches your YouTube channel. Amen, bro. <laughs> um, we are a little bit over time, so I'm going to cut this short and we're going to save some of our other questions that we had curated for another episode. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time, uh, for being a good sport about uh, yeah. all the, the gentle jesting that, I, that I've done at your expense, which I'm sure you were prepared for. And uh, some of it earned this time, frankly, some of it earned. Uh, where can people uh, follow your your adventures and your exploits and keep up to date on everything that you're doing? Yeah, for sure. Uh, primarily, I, I like to post on Facebook, especially all my sales posts, my crazy opinions, this, that, the other thing. And then uh, YouTube, I try to get a video out, you know, once a week, once every couple of weeks of just the continuing adventures of things that I acquire, things that I like. These are a few of my favorite things, those kinds of things. Gotcha, Edit that part gotcha. out. I shouldn't have done that. That sounded no. horrible. Why did I Again, sing that? It's making the trailer to tease the no, episode. No, no. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, you can, My of course, publicist told me this was a bad idea. I knew I should have listened to him. I'm your publicist, and I said, Oh, yes. well, you said this was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, don't do the show, man. Don't do it. It will not work out well. Right. You can uh, reach me on Twitter at Rob McZob on Instagram at uh, Action Figure Adventure as well. And of course, here on this YouTube channel, like and subscribe if you want to see more of this stuff and get up to date with every time we drop a new video of your toy, Love and Madness, or anything else that we're doing in the world of documentary films for that matter. Uh, we end every episode with a catchphrase that I always can't remember yet somehow pioneered. It's for the love of toys and the warmth of scarves. Take care of yourselves and each other because the best time of day, Justice, is... Playtime. Playtime. Playtime is the best time of day. Thanks for watching, everyone. We will see you again next week. Cheers. Bye, guys. <laughs>